This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our show today. This is Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series. We are looking at another beautifully crisp, cool, sunny day in San Diego, Ahanu, but yesterday it actually got up to 86. Well, the weather was the least of our worries because you we're getting some eye surgery done for cataract and you can actually see this beautiful san diego <laughs> sunday morning which is miraculous i know i've been out of commission for the past week or so just kind of you know in another world if anybody has has a cataract and has never had surgery i highly recommend it because it makes a difference really in your life i have to say what a great technology this is one of the times when technology is Absolutely fantastic, Ahanu, because I could see every eyelash on my beloved Ahanu's face now. Oh, no. Now we're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And he's handsomer than ever. I thought he was handsome. Oh, my God. (laughs) I thought you were handsome before, Ahanu. Now I'm... I'm shocked at oh how God. handsome you actually Can we reverse? Are. <laughs> we reverse the procedure. <laughs> no, it's actually. Um, I spent the last two days recovering, Ahano, and today I feel a little better. But really, the vision is a miraculous thing. Yeah, and vision is something that we're very concerned with in terms of seeing the truth. I know I'm going to go all esoterical and metaphysical with this conversation now. But that's what we're all about. We're about the growth of consciousness, the growth of awareness. And that's what we're working towards. And today, our very subject is about Kundalini. Now, here's the thing, though. Every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning, actually, we do an Akashic Record session online where we invite people to join us and ask their big questions of source. And any of you that's a regular listener to our show will know about that on Sunday mornings. Now, this Sunday morning coming, we're going to be talking about Kundalini from the Akashic Records point of view. Now, what's different about this is we think we know about these subjects. And for example, a couple of weeks ago, we tackled the subject of twin flames and soulmates and we agreed to suspend all we thought we knew or all we thought we'd read or anything we've seen on YouTube or uh, and suspended all those preconceived ideas and boy were we in for a shock when we got into the Akashic Records and had sources view about what twin flames and soulmates were all about and the exact same thing is going to happen tomorrow but today we're going to talk about our preconceived ideas about what we think kundalini is and the reason we're doing this is because we want to see that contrast in terms of what we think we know and what sources opinion is and i'm looking i'm actually looking forward this might seem futile but in fact it's going to be really interesting because it'll show us and it'll broadcast to the world how important the Akashic Records are, or how important our trust in our own ability to be able to access this deeper 
more insightful information really is. Can, can you comment on that, Angelos? Because I know you've been very shocked by some of the information that has been revealed, even though the information has been revealed through you. Well, I am, and that's one of the reasons why we do love doing these Akashic Record groups, because it is our opportunity to learn so much about things that we think we know about from source, and we've been shocked uh, more than once, for sure. We were shocked even when we did the Twin Flame ones to find out that Twin Flames were literal emanations off of Source. And, of course, uh, Source went into great detail about that not everything has a twin. I was quite shocked to hear that, actually. So it, it, it did dispel a lot of preconceived ideas. And I think, you know, we certainly know on our journey, our spiritual journey, that one of the main things that seems to have to happen if we're going to truly know ourselves is it is the dispelling of a lot of beliefs and things that we've been told and even in in the metaphysical arena you know there's books that go back long long time many many years and then there of course is all sorts of new information that comes through but to truly know yourself you know, it really does require a personal self-examination of your own, your own thoughts and feelings and an inquiry into yourself at levels that you're not consciously aware of in your everyday life. Because the truth is, is we think so quickly, we observe so fast that, you know, before we're into the next moment, we've made a conclusion about the moment before. And we make associations and that goes into our subconscious mind and the subconscious says, okay, right, got that one. And, you know, I'll start to form an image of reality based yes. around what you just decided. But isn't that such a difficult thing to do, to suspend what you, you, you think you know? And I'm going to use an example of, I was watching a YouTube video last night on Tutankhamun and about what people thought had happened to him and the belief went around because of some some studies that they did in I don't know 1993 no actually it went back further 1965 or something then 1993 and then 2008 or something people were under the impression that he, he had been murdered from a blow to the neck because some x-rays they did way back found that there was some bone chip in the back of his skull so the world then believed that Tutankhamun was murdered from a blow to the back of the head and I did because you know you take these scientific studies as being the gospel and then they, they revealed that as technology advanced they were able to actually uncover other causes of his death and they said that oh it was caused by an accident and in his um, perhaps in his chariot or perhaps in a battle and that was caused by a blow to the head. Then they found that, no, it was actually a, um, a damage to his kneecap. The right patella was removed and his uh, femur was actually broken. And that led to infection and therefore um, his heart stopped. And that's the cause of death. And then more recently, people are speculating that he died because of um, spontaneous combustion. And here's the thing, though. We tend to take what we've been told and really, really run with it and believe it in all aspects of our life, whether it's the government telling you something or whether it's your parents or your teachers or your priests or whoever. And we take those 
belief systems into our adult lives and it really colors our perception of everything and that's why I'm asking you in terms of the difficulty to remove those preconceived ideas what do we have to do anything or how do we prepare ourselves to not believe something when you know we think we believe it well I just think it's you know you do make the intention to have an open mind and to suspend your judgments and uh, to me I think that's all that's needed, really. I mean, when you're going to go inquire about anything to source, it's it's really the same thing when you go to journal. And I am going to teach an online journaling, journaling class next year, Hanno, because journal, I talk about it so much on these shows, Saturday and Sunday. But journaling is such an easy way to find out, you know, what your mind is doing. And I think it's so important to do. Even when you just mentioned Tutankhamun, in all the various things. I mean, like I say, we're deciding things really in every moment. And we react to things based on our associations. So in other words, if you have a lot of, you know, whatever you're taught from the time you're born or whatever you experience, and then you you you're, you quickly make an association, you know, this experience equals this conclusion. And, and the, the subconscious, like I said, takes it and runs with it and starts running your life by it. So what happens is if you encounter something in your future that's similar to that experience in the past, you're back in the past. You're already reacting in a way from the way you reacted in the past. You've come to another conclusion about a, a particular you know, current event that's really based on a past association. And on and on we go. You know, we're, we're, in a way, it's a bit of a, a robotron process. And, you know, the thing is, is we don't know ourselves because we have no idea of the associations that we've made. But in terms of the body, and particularly speaking about Kundalini, aren't a lot of those decisions being made at the level of the cells and the level of the physiology that's the subconscious level, you know, that we're not aware of? Some part of us does make a decision and I'm going to say that that's still at a conscious level, even if, even if you you don't remember deciding. Okay, there is something about our consciousness itself that has a, a few different levels of awareness to it. And I do think on a conscious level, is what I'm being told right now, we are still making a decision. It's only then that it it goes into the subconscious as a concept or as an association. And the thing is, is the subconscious is the part of us that emits our psychic energy. So the, all these associations that we've been building up all these years from all of our experiences now become the message that goes out into the world. And then when we talk about how like attracts like or you create your reality, it is the sum total of the associations that you've made that emits a particular type of energy or force field. And then the law of cause and effect just brings to you a mere reflection of that. So how willing are we to unlearn all that we have known now to date about Kundalini? <laughs> Back to Kundalini. Well, I just hope that we're willing to unlearn it, but let's talk about some of the things that we have learned. And I and I have a reason for or that we think we know that we think we know. <laughs> okay, which is so, why we pick these topics. Absolutely. By the way, we pick these topics because 
especially kundalini. Kundalini is something that is in literally inside our physical body. So it's not an idea. It's an actual fire serpent, coiled up serpent fire energy that's located in the base of our spine. But here's the thing. What if it that's wasn't? That's a belief. What if it wasn't? That? Yes. Yes. So we're, we're prefacing this by saying these are the beliefs. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because Actually, tomorrow our first question is going to be what, to what ask Source, yeah. what is Kundalini? And, you know, we may be blown away by that yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, That's why I say today would be really useful to explore what we think it is. Yeah, that's today. what I mean. Okay, yeah. so here's the belief. The belief yeah. is that it's the serpent fire that's coiled at the base of your spine. Some people believe that it naturally rises up through the chakras at different ages of your life. Okay. In other words, there's the belief that if we were never messed with, if our chakras were not damaged, if we didn't have certain chakras blocked because of dogmas and beliefs and fears, that this serpent fire would at different ages, so let's say at 11, 22, 33, the serpent energy would, would naturally rise up the chakra system until it reached your brain. And it would activate the higher centers of your brain, which would give you extra sensory abilities. You'd be able to travel multi-dimensionally. You'd be able to go out of your body. You'd be able to... When Kundalini rises it does make you a superhuman, I have to say. You know, it does uh, allow for ESP. It allows for actually all the senses to be heightened where you, instead of being telepathically aware of somebody, for example, you would actually taste them coming towards you. You'd smell them coming towards you from miles away. Uh, it would also allow you, like I said, to go out of your body to experience other dimensions, be in many dimensions at once, have the ability to teleport. All of that is part of what we've been told about Kundalini. We've also been told that if it rises too fast, it can cause physical damage and even insanity. And this is because the purification hasn't happened there does seem to be um, a, a purification process that goes with kundalini since it is considered fire energy. And it's probably the reason why naturally uh, it would gradually move up the spine at different ages, giving your body a chance to adjust, a, a chance to open, a chance to cleanse. And that's the healthy way. Now, certainly there are People who've had spontaneous kundalini experiences, Ahanu, our, our very own Penny Kelly, who we love so much, has had a spontaneous kundalini event. I wrote a whole book about it, actually, called The Evolving Human. And she'll be on our show in two weeks' time, and she'll actually be talking to us about her kundalini experiences. But these were very disturbing to her when that happened. She didn't know what was happening to her. She said that it sounded like a freight train coming through her body. And she was a bit out of control for a long time. It actually took her a year or two to even get adjusted to the different things that had opened up in her. And she was a normal person, just yeah. a, not even necessarily a metaphysically she geared person. She too that when, when, she, when she did eventually get control of it, let's say, 
for the want of a better word. Whenever she felt some sensation happening again, she was saying, oh no, oh my God, this is starting again. So she was in trepidation about the experience, really, until she fully understood what was going on. Well, I think it was because she had no control over it. Yeah. It would just spontaneously happen. And um, apparently one of the side effects of Kundalini rising is uh, very, very heightened sexuality. And spontaneous orgasm. A riveting chapter in the book, wasn't it, Angel Rose? Maybe for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, she's gone silent for the first time. I don't know. We need to have a, a, a topic on men's sexuality someday. Oh no, let's talk about women's sexuality, <laughs> shall we? Oh Maybe my we God. can talk about both. We've got a that lot. That would be quite enlightening. Yes, in the same way as we're exploring this subject of kundalini we have got such a lot of study ahead of us don't we really though in terms of exploring all of life everywhere because you know not only is sexuality running the world but so also are these other issues that we need to get into like for example what motivates people in terms of living its life itself you know the strive the urge for life or the, the urge for death. Why are we murdering ourselves? Why are we killing ourselves? What's that ego urge to, that, you know, like the Course in Miracles says, the ego is out for murder. You know, we've got to explore all these things, not just sexuality. Well, it is true because we certainly do have a death urge that seems to be built in, into us. And some people would say that that's just nature. Okay, nature. But I wonder, is it really nature? Because... I certainly came into this world as a young, and remember as a young child, remembering that we death was foreign. I mean, I remember the first time somebody was sick and my mother was telling me they were dying. I looked at her kind of funny, like, what are you talking about? Okay, so. But isn't this typical of one of those preconceived ideas? In other words, it, it, isn't it true or hasn't it been said or seen that if if people didn't die around us, then we wouldn't die either? You know, in other words, we're grown up to accept that people get sick, get old and die. And therefore, we in, we're ingrained with that belief because apparently, and speaking about Tutankhamun going back, people at that time lived far longer than we ever did, except, of course, he died at age 19. That was a short life indeed. Yeah, it was a very short life. But even their whole beliefs about what happens after you die, I mean, all those elaborate tombs and the possessions and the gold and the maps on the wall as guideposts to the underworld and having to confront all the demons first and the uh, temptations in order to you know pass through the different levels on the way to the reunification with your soul i mean that was a huge dangerous process that they went through and look at look at the time they spent drawing things on the walls, carving things on the walls, putting things in the tombs. And of course, depending on who it was, you know, you often wonder about the people who were not so privileged or wealthy and didn't have the opportunity to bring all this gold and slaves and things with them into the yes, underworld. What happens yes, to them, yes, I wonder? Indeed. In fact, that whole thing raises another question, and that is that a preconceived idea about death itself. You know how we've heard and we've interviewed people on this show, actually, who've had near-death experiences, and they all report seeing this beautiful white light and being drawn towards the white light. Now, that is in stark contrast to the stories 
of the Egyptians who say, you know, you go through these 12 hours of darkness and you go through these balance of the, the karma and, the, you know, weighing the heart and all of that and the demons of the underworld and that's all darkness and death and blackness and, you know, needing courage and authenticity and all of those qualities in order to be able to get through the death process. Otherwise, you get devoured by these monsters of the deep. So that's a huge contrast in thinking about what happens after death, something we're going to have to explore another day. I know. That's a, that's a very interesting thing because I don't know. Uh, do you remember that I told you the story about well, I used to own a gift shop in Illinois, and I had a man who, who he would bring his products in on consignment, and he got to be a friend of ours, but his he wasn't religious at all, and he wasn't metaphysical. But his dad had passed away some months earlier. And so the next time I saw him, he came into the shop, and he, he said that he had had this strange dream. And the dream was is that his father came to him and said, I am perceived only by you. So that was like a mind-blower. Wasn't that, isn't that an idea that to think that you, we only see what we see because wow. we have a belief in it, our perception. Our yes. beliefs make our perception. Yes. And our perceptions basically dictate what reality is to us. Yes. Now, so even the whole question of reality comes up. And I will be discussing that in my second book. But hang on, don't go too far ahead now. Yeah, Tell us saying. about your second book because our listeners do need to know. It's called The Nature of Reality. Where can we get it? Well, we can get it on thenatureofreality.info. You can pre-order it. It will be out uh, next April. But we will be exploring some of the topics we've already explored in the record, such as uh, time and dimensions and what is reality and what is consciousness. We actually just did the what is consciousness topic two weeks ago on a Sunday. And that was incredibly interesting. Again, it does bring up the idea about reality itself. Is there an absolute reality or do we just make up real little realities as we go along? And certainly there is an absolute reality, we were told. But most of us do go around making up or inventing little versions of reality based on our perceptions and our beliefs. This is the reason why I think people get in arguments because each person has their own idea of what's happening in a situation or not happening and they hold to their stance because they believe their perception is correct. They've created it, yes. So now they argue back and forth. One person says, no, that's not the way it is and the other person says, oh yes, that is the way it is and they're really arguing about their made-up versions of reality. Mm. The thing is... You really do have to take everything back to yourself because it, it also brings up the story that I've told many times but about my ex-husband, an argument that we'd got into one day. I'm qualifying this, Ahana, because you and I hardly ever argue, so I can't use you as an example, you see. Okay. Which husband is this now and how many <laughs> were there and how far back are we no, going? We're and getting off on a tangent. Was this another <laughs> lifetime? <or laughs> We're getting off on a tangent going in that direction. But anyway, the story was about my ex. And we got in an argument about something. And I was so angry at him that I stormed out of the house. And I 
walked down to this little park that we live nearby and I was sitting on the swings and I'm stewing, right? And in my mind, I'm, I, he's so guilty and I used, I'm calling him every name in the book in my head and, you know, blah, blah. And suddenly I hear this voice say to me, you're making this up. And I went, what? You're making all of this up because you want him to be guilty. And it was like, and then at the same time that the voice said, you know, you could choose peace instead. And of course, this is typical Course in Miracles information. But when a voice comes to you and says it on a practical level, in response to a particular situation, all of a sudden those concepts that are in the Course take on a whole different meaning. Yes. And of course, the, the truth of it was I did not want to choose peace. I heard that that information and I knew it was true. And even that made me angry to think that you could be so convoluted in your consciousness that you could and not even be aware of your motivations for accusing somebody of something or being angry at somebody. And this is why I'm telling you that journaling is so important because we do not know ourselves at yes. those levels. The, yes. These things, decisions happen so quickly and we just aren't even aware we're making them. But in that moment, I was definitely made aware that I did not want peace. And so it proved the voice correct. Yes. Well, given, the, uh, given the opportunity to choose peace in the situation and watching myself not want to do it really proved to me that there was a whole other motivation going on. So I actually had to sit there for a half an hour before I chose peace. And and the minute, minute that I did it, the whole argument was erased from my mind. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember what the fight was about. I, I wasn't angry anymore. And so I walked home and my ex said to me, let's have a conversation about this argument. And I said, no point because I can't even remember what happened. I mean, it, choosing peace literally took it out of my memory. And I thought that that was the most amazing thing to ever happen. Mm. That's like that story of the two monks, a young monk and the old monk, uh, you know, who, who weren't allowed to think bad thoughts kind of thing and certainly weren't allowed to touch uh, a member of the opposite flesh. And uh, they came to a, a, a stream one day and there was a woman there who couldn't cross and the old man picked up the woman in his arms and carried her across to the other side. Well, a little bit further on, the young priest said to the young monk, said to the older one, hey, didn't you just break a vow? You know, you, you know we're not supposed to touch a member of the opposite sex. And the guy said, the older one said, yes, but that was then, this is now, you're still carrying her. Yeah, carrying her along with the past. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I, I bring that up is because this is part of our belief systems that we're constantly creating according to our past. And in relation to Kundalini, I, I wonder if Kundalini rises based upon our current belief systems or our past belief systems. I just think it's suppressed in most of us, do you know? I mean... So in other words, Angel Rose... And I don't even know that it, that Kundalini is actually the optimal thing, even though it results in extra sensory abilities and powers. Do you remember when we were in Ireland and we were 
at our good friend Mert O'Brien's and we were doing transformational breath work. And anytime we would be at Mert's and we'd do those sessions, I would always go back to a time in Egypt that was matriarchal. I would always be transported back there. I could see myself as a short Egyptian person, female, a little protruded belly, you know, just, but the surroundings were just incredibly peaceful and beautiful and blissful. And then all of a sudden I witnessed this invasion and it looked like an invasion from some sort of species off planet. And they just took over and started mating with some of these women and I saw that part of the Kundalini was actually tainted with that reptilian energy. So that's a question to ask mm. because, you know, I want to know, is Kundalini our ascension fire that transports us, you know, literally allows us to take our bodies into light and dematerialize and um, no levels of reality? Is it all... It could be all a very, very positive thing. It could be something that opens us up in ways that uh, we all wish for now or we have a memory of being yes, awakened. Yes, yes. But I, I have all of these questions about it, Ahana. And the other question, too, is if we were to journal as you recommend all the time and if we were to allow ourselves to grow in awareness and in consciousness and in forgiveness and in love, would kundalini rise naturally or is that even a necessary step at all yes these are questions these are questions we're going to have to ask tomorrow yeah yeah let's just take this opportunity to take a real quick little studio break and we'll be right back after this this is the art of living well radio network radio to inspire enlightened living Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Well, you're very, very welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Ahanu and Anne Gail Rose on the Honest to God series. And this is Saturday, 9th of November, and we're discussing the subject of Kundalini in advance of our Akashic Records session tomorrow morning where we go into the Akashic Records and get the answers from source. And we're discussing the whole concept of the preconceived ideas we have about it. At the moment we don't know what it is but we think we know and we're, we're engaging in the discussion about what is Kundalini, can we control it, how does it affect us, how can, can we make it happen artificially or mechanically. Can we bring it on in some way? These are all parts of the preconceived ideas that we have and we want to explore them. And tomorrow we will, of course, get these answers directly from source and we're looking forward to that. Now, if anybody wants to join the discussion, please do join in. You can contact us at 805-292-0349 or you can contact us by email if you'd like at angelrose at angelrose.com. But let me spell that. It's A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E dot -E com. The Irish name for angel. That she is. And an angel now that is looking at me through new vision. Eyes that see and is able to count the hairs on my head through her new eye her surgery that she just had done yesterday and wow she is just noticing everything and reading all the signs my god it's time for me to hide 
time. Look out, Ahano. But we also didn't tell our listeners how they could sign up for tomorrow's session if they're so interested. And I believe they can do it from worldofempowerment.com. Is that correct, Ahano? Yeah, that's correct. Worldofempowerment.com. And they can actually sign up too from angelrose.com. And we're consolidating those websites uh, together, so it'll make that whole sign-up process so much easier. But it's World of Empowerment, all one word, worldofempowerment.com or angelrose.com. It sounds like Anne and Gail together, but in fact, it's the Irish word for angel. Oh, my God. I'm seeing an angel in front of me that's seeing me. I suppose as long as you think that about me, I'm safe, huh? Angel Rose, <laughs> A-I-N-G. As long as he has that perception, <laughs> this perception. of me, okay, I could, t- I could use that to my advantage. However, uh, however. Angel Rose, what happens if this Kundalini rises in me, and as you said, you, I, I encountered the sexual phase where it's rampant? What happens? Oh, my God, a heart of God help us. Okay, <laughs> God help the planet. God help all men who did him. Oh, no, I'm not interested in men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted to also mention that um, we're also, since we're doing a little bit of advertising here, you and I are Twin Flames and ADL ministers, and we are also beginning a new service where we are offering to marry couples actually not just twin flame couples but couples but we're offering to do it together in other words a person would have two ministers officiating their ceremony a man and a woman not just a man and a woman but a man a male and female twin flame energy and we decided to do this because we it's become very obvious to us the importance of this time period in terms of Acknowledging the divine masculine and feminine within us and reestablishing that equality and balance and union on the planet. So we will, we are in the process of building a new website about that. What's that website going to be called? Twin Flame Weddings? Twinflameweddings.com. Yes, it's not up there yet, but it will be pretty shortly. But in the meantime, if anyone's in a twin flame relationship, or a soulmate relationship, and you're contemplating marrying your significant other, consider Ahanu and I officiating your ceremony. It would be an honor for us to do so. And you can contact us through our websites that Ahanu has already mentioned so far. I just wanted to mention that, Ahanu. Okay, so come back to the subject of Kundalini. And let's explore that a little bit more, because I'm keen to try and trash out the preconceived ideas that we have. So you mentioned that it's an energy that's coming up from the base of the spine. This is what we, we currently believe. comes up to the base of the spine and supposedly exits the top of the head. So I imagine it must have something to do with the chakras along the way, perhaps. And it gives, it brings, when it reaches the head, it brings these psychic abilities because people report that they can, uh, they, they have new psychic abilities that weren't there before. Well, it activates different centers in the brain. Right. Okay. And, you know, it is believed that our pineal gland actually uh, naturally secretes this type of syrup. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's, it's kind of not in a refined state normally. So the belief is, is as the kundalini rises and starts to activate different centers, 
or it isn't only through the Kundalini. I think anybody who is on a, a mystical path, let's say, who's actually doing the work and their consciousness is changing and they're becoming more godlike, there is a point where that syrup in the pineal gets refined and becomes like a golden elixir. And that is purported also to open the doorways to God consciousness and all sorts of other abilities. But I do think that um, the old Egyptians would manually or through meditations or particular techniques activate the Kundalini uh, by bringing those currents, consciously bringing those currents up from the base of the spine, up through the spine and to different centers of the brain. Right, right. And I wonder also, and this is a question for tomorrow, but I wonder what our our ideas are about it now. Would uh, would location matter? In other words, is there a bigger chance of having a Kundalini rise at some energetic point on the earth, like Egypt, for example, or if you were in Stonehenge or wherever? Is there a better chance of Well, I know that I may have a Kundalini remembrance if I ever went to Egypt because just watching the show we were watching last night on Egypt. It wasn't the King Tut one. It was it was the X-Files on Egypt or something like that. Going through Seti the first tomb, I started to have an incredible emotional uh, reaction and cellular reaction. So I do think places can activate people for sure because PowerPoints are really very strong portals and intersecting points to other dimensional levels and certainly people can be activated or come in touch or become aware of those another things. Another question for tomorrow too, God, I should be writing these down, but another question too is can we facilitate it? And I mean on all levels, like a particular diet for example, you know, if you if you were a vegetarian or a vegan or if you were eating red meat only, whatever, does that facilitate a Kundalini rise? or? A certain level of fitness, you know, can can overweight people have Kundalini experiences, or do you have to be some in some way physically fit, or do injuries prevent the rise of Kundalini? Let's say if you broke your back or your neck, or you 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 injured your tailbone or something, does that cause a problem? I, Those I, are I, all good questions. Yeah. Adam. You know, the more I think You're about this... You're going to have to make a list. I am. And the more I, we talk about this, the more I think we're in for a really fascinating discussion I don't know tomorrow. if it's safe for you to hear this information, and I, I think we may need to put an age limit on it, okay? <laughs> Just like how the movies are rated. <laughs> <laughs> the topic of Kundalini could be X-rated for men in general. <laughs> I know, because if we found out some little snippet of information that enhances their libido... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Like it isn't enhanced enough already. Anyway. Indeed. Okay, uh, we're just joking, everybody. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yes, it, it is true because it's very good to talk about the fact that we have all these ideas about Kundalini or, you know, when we are awakening and we're on a spiritual path and we start to perhaps receive symbols or dreams or whatever, you know, the first thing you do when you're when you're a novice that way is you go looking for books. You go looking for books that talk about what you're seeing or can give you some insight. or So certainly there are a lot of things that out there, and not to say that they're all untrue, I'm not saying that. Uh, all things are helpful if it moves you to the next level. 
But ultimately, we love these inquiries, and this is the reason why we do these Sundays, because to have a greater understanding of reality and what's going on, and, and I think particularly the subject for tomorrow is important because in a lot of dogmas, they do debase the body. Okay, there's there's belief systems that basically say uh, your body's just a piece of clay, you know, that you're using right now. Indeed, you know, uh, even some ETs call it a container that you're only, I mean, I hate that word. Yes, but soul a soul container, a, they a call it. A soul container yes. that you're using, basically giving the body this uh, demoted ranking that it's it's not important, it's just, you know, nothing, you're only using it while you're here, who cares if it dies, you know, it's just going to get thrown away at the end anyway. And I think the whole topic of kundalini might shed some interesting light on that because if it were considered that we have an energy inside us, not only the kundalini at the base of the spine, but also here we have a pineal gland that secretes this elixir, for lack of a better word. These things seem to, on some level to be connected to our ability to ascend. And it's in the body. It's, it's interesting how the body has these tools within it or these chemicals or this furnace that can transmute just about anything, can be regenerated, could be can be made new, can be changed, can be dissolved into light, can spontaneously combust. I mean, there's powers in the human body that we haven't even really begun to explore. And I think it deserves a good exploration because I think it might change the way we look at the body. And not that I think the body should go from being unimportant to being adored. That's not what I'm talking about. But certainly the body is misused tremendously by the ego. Because it's certainly not taught that you have this biology within you that has these incredible transformative capabilities. It's taught to only seek pleasure. It's taught to focus on if you look nice if you stay young, if you're attractive sexually to the other other sex. I mean, it's that's been the focus. It's been an external focus, not an internal focus. And I think we're missing so much uh, of our God self by doing that. And so I think it's another reason why we, we pick this topic. Tomorrow. But you, Angel Rose, as an angel... <laughs> you you have all those physical qualities as well as all those I don't think spiritual so. <laughs> qualities. I laugh at myself <laughs> in terms of the whole. I've definitely, I'm moving into crone stage, everybody, because crone my, stage. my birthday is the 11th, right? Two days from now. And I'll be 60, Hannah. It's a huge decade shift for me. And I remember just about a month ago, I was talking about my birthday with my children. And uh, I said, do you guys realize I'm going to be 60? And my son, who's going to be 36, looked at me in horror, you know, like right away, this look of, oh, my God, that means we're on the downhill slope of my lifetime. But isn't that another preconceived idea too? that whole concept of time? And we did explore that at one point in time, which is in your book, The, the Nature of Reality. And that is a very interesting exploration about time and what it is and what it isn't. 
It is, especially when you th- when you know that even back in biblical times, people lived to be, you know, three and four hundred years old, and and people think that was just a story, but I actually think it was literal. I think species on this earth used to live a lot longer than we do now. So we've digressed in terms of our anatomy, and then it begs the question: Have we digressed because of our perceptions, yes, or the programming, yeah, yeah, or yeah. the takeover from? Yeah. People in power who've really done their best to change the truth about who we really are. I know. Doesn't it open up all kinds of possibilities for us to explore and subject matters for the future too, which we will because we've actually got the full program laid out for November and we've also got the program laid out for December and we will actually put it on paper and on the web the program for January, February and March too. We'll send that to our subscribers. Speaking of which, if you want to subscribe, simply go to angelrose.com or worldofempowerment.com and you'll be able to subscribe there. Now, the other thing also is that we forgot to mention that our program this week is sponsored by our own new business called Twin Flame Hosting. We're running with the Twin Flame concept on everything. And it's sponsored this week by Twin Flame Hosting, who have been consciously hosting spiritual websites since 1993, believe it or not, under a different name. But if you wish to sponsor an episode or the full Honest to God series, do contact us because we'd love to hear from you. Angelrose at angelrose.com. We are also interested in your topics for our Sunday groups. Even though we've been picking the topics so far, uh, we are looking for areas of interest that you may have, our listeners, uh, exploring any type of subject that you would like. And actually, Hanu, from this topic today, it's made me realize we really do need to have a topic on divine male and female relationships and what are they really. Okay, in, in this conversation today about perception, it is really making me realize how much of our relationships are really formed from a very external idea of what male and female relationships should be, how they should look, what roles does each have. And I think I would love to hear Source's opinion about that, wouldn't you? Maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. I, no, I always I, find I, such resistance <laughs> from Mahata when I go to <laughs> changing the whole staying in the lower chakra perception <laughs> and moving to a different idea no i think our relationships uh, he's he just wants to hang on to that no that little base I, chakra Rose, you you it's know me now. no I, I wind you up about it big time because i know it is typical and symbolic of the way the world is actually driven by the ego and the base chakra for example that the single most searched for word on the entire web since its inception, since the beginning, has been the word sex, S-E-X, those three letters. And that just shows you, you know, what is the motivation behind everything. And wars have been fought, as you know. So th- there must be something to it that needs to be explored. And, and as we know, men tend to have that driving force, that testosterone behind it. But there has to be some kind of a creative reason or there has to be some kind of an interference reason, let's say, because I firmly am of the belief that there there should be 
and I think in the distant past always was a beautiful balance between male and female on all levels. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that too, and I, I think that yeah. we've really isolated out of the sexual energy only one particular facet and I do think that's a manipulation. Yeah. I really do. I think it, it keeps it at a very basic yes. uh instinctual animalistic driving force that is there is not to say that we don't have sex with love. I'm not saying that. But I do think that it does it has been tainted to stay only at the, and the I lower think, level. I think that all ties into our subject today of Kundalini because that's where supposedly it rises. Well, they say the tailbone, but perhaps more accurately in the base chakra where that sexual um, energy originates. So they have to be connected. They must be connected. And I'd right. love to know from our, our questions tomorrow about what is that connection between the sexual urge and the rise of Kundalini, or if they're even connected at all. Right, and I guess I better get a good night's sleep, Ahana, with all these questions we're stirring up for tomorrow. They're good questions and important questions, however, because, um, you know, I did get some information last week. I was actually taken to a, let's just say, a subterranean level that was very, very dark and was actually run by that animalistic sexual energy. And uh, the feeling I had when I woke up is that this was pervasive and was running the world. So that is a whole other topic of discussion because of its implications. And here we are trying to elevate our consciousness, and yet we've got these forces, like I say, felt like a subterranean level to the surface that are actively um, in the movement was so fast and constant, actively performing animalistic sex acts for the purpose of generating more power. And so I think we're all being affected by that on some level too. So that, that really, that whole topic actually of sexuality deserves much greater exploration because I do believe that there is divinity in all of these things that the powers that be have made very debase. I think there's divinity in them that needs to um, be resurrected personally. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. And we will ask about that tomorrow, the divinity in all of what we have preconceived ideas about. Of course, maybe words. divinity is an illusion too, Hannah. <laughs> the whole thing's an illusion. <laughs> We're going to leave our listeners very confused at the end of today. <laughs> oh wow, what a great, what a great subject, though. And you know, it it is something that we have encouraged our listeners to do since the very, very beginning, and that is the whole idea of self-examination, examining where your thoughts are coming from, why you believe what you believe, and why you feel the way you do. And these are very, very important things to really know, because as you say, when you know yourself, you know everything. And what what motivates you? What are the motivations? And certainly I think it is true that up to now, our motivations have been mostly sexual, whether we like it or not, in terms of our attractions, our, our attractions to everything, whether it's money or objects or cars or houses or relationships or whatever, it certainly seems to be motivated by that chakra. 
and then of course moving up towards the fact that other people are far more developed in that area than others but it's uh, it, 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 perhaps it's about the balance of all of those chakras as that kundalini energy rises through them all and then of course it opens up another question does it actually originate in the base chakra at all i mean does it come from the earth earth's core does it well, come yeah. from another planet i know i know because it certainly is built into the anatomy absolutely okay so it's it's definitely something that is there for a particular reason. Now, and I have a question for tomorrow, too. Do, oh, do God, aliens, I am in such trouble. Do aliens... That show better need to... <laughs> it sounds like it's going to go on for a couple hours. Do aliens have kundalini rises? I don't... And we haven't even gotten past humans. <laughs> I know. We're I know. We're I know. He's fascinated with humans. And he's, he's just... He's stuck on the whole teaching and belief that the Anunnaki created the human race as we know it now. And he, and Another he, preconceived idea. It is, a, it is a preconceived idea, especially because, you know, we've done things in these groups where we've seen way, way back. We've seen people here and beings here way before the Anunnaki. And the Anunnaki actually feel more recent in our history, not not so ancient. Now, they may have genetically altered the human physiology in some way. That would be a good exploration. I think we give them maybe more credit than they need to have, Ahano. Yes, I do. All right, it's time to wind our conversation down for the moment, Angel Rose. We do invite people to join us tomorrow on the exploration of Kundalini, and that's at 10 a.m. on Sunday, the Tenth. What date is tomorrow? The tenth, yes. Yeah. Sunday the, the tenth. The day before my birthday, Hannah. You should have this. <laughs> I know the eleventh already. I mean, how could you? You know, I these know the days now should be paramount in your mind. They are, Angel Rose, and not only that too, but because of the whole eleven eleven thing. I mean, on the eleven 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 was a powerful day for you, but here we are on the eleven eleven coming up, and it's a very very important day, and I recognise that birthdays are important, and. Perhaps that's a preconceived idea, too. Every day is important. Hello. Here we go. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. We're getting ourselves in trouble. Now, let's just make a couple of quick announcements before we close. The Eight Steps to Freedom is a program that we developed, and we are in the process of continually developing it. And the new information that's coming out is being added to it all the time. 8stepstofreedom.com. 8-steps-2-freedom.com. Go there. Get hold of it. And Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, is at atimeofchange.info. The Nature of Reality.info is where you'll get her forthcoming book, The Nature of Reality. And remember the group Akashic Record session tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Sign up for that at worldofempowerment.com. Worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word. And uh, search for Angel Rose or Ahanu, A-H-O-N-U, on iTunes or on Amazon, and you'll find bunches of different ebooks and things that we've done and put out there available to the world. Finally, due to popular demand, Angel Rose will be teaching people how to read the Akashic Records in an exclusive once-off training that will take place in the new year. If you're interested, contact Angel Rose at angelrose.com. Now, Charlotte Young is on next week talking about. She's talking about the importance of breastfeeding your children. We had had her on once before, and we got into some interesting tangents 
and we never really got into the topic she wanted to talk about. So we're having her back, and uh, she's definitely a person who's bringing back the feminine importance on the planet. So do listen to her. She's very interesting and has had multiple wonderful experiences. So if you'd like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, contact us. Until next Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, we send you our love, our blessings, and thank you for listening to myself, Ahanu, and to Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. Thank you, everybody. See you tomorrow. And as we say in Ireland, Slán August Bannacht de Live Galair. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.